Hi, I'm David Green, and thanks for tuning in to the Digital HR Leaders podcast. Over recent months, there's been a lot of talk about an economic slowdown and a slew of layoffs at prominent companies. It seems that the only certainty of this decade is an abundance of uncertainty, and uncertainty can lead companies to make decisions quickly, sometimes too quickly. In a recent research study, Orgview and Fanson Bourne interviewed 500 senior business decision makers from global organisations with over 3,000 employees. The headline findings included that 93% of business leaders say they've made decisions with cost-cutting in mind, of which 38% later regretted those decisions. The main reasons for this are the loss of talent they later realised they needed, loss of employee engagement, and the negative impact on operational efficiency and productivity. As such, I'm delighted that my guest today is Oliver Shaw, CEO at Orgview. We'll dig a bit more into the research, and Oliver will also share more on how companies can navigate these turbulent times by having the right planning in place. We will discuss how companies can plan for the unplanned and how workforce planning and organisational design are coming together and coupled with the right data can help organisations plan for the future. So whether you're looking to improve your organisational design, optimise your workforce planning or just curious about planning for the future of your business, stay tuned for an engaging and informative discussion. Today, I'm delighted to welcome Oliver Shaw, CEO at Orgview, to the Digital HR Leaders podcast. Oliver, welcome to the show. It's a pleasure to have you on. Before before we dive into the interview, can you share with our listeners a little bit about yourself and your background and, and how you got to where you are today? Yeah, yeah, of course. And great to be here, David. Thank you for having me. Um, I guess my background in, in the space that I'm in, which is around you know managing organizations, has always been an interest for me. So I did a business degree. I left university and became a business analyst, dealing immediately with, you know, how do you organize the, the, the businesses and processes to, to work? And then my um, career moved through a, a series of junctures in financial services, which were broadly around how do you manage large groups of people, in the end, building quite a large insurance business. And then in 2009, I came out of that um, and started working in tech. And the first business I worked in was a payroll business. And that brought me into kind of providing services into the HCM space. And then between 2009 and 2018, uh, I built the Iris Human Capital Management business, um, which, you know, at the time that I left was probably in the top five software providers to to HR in the UK. And that's Core HRIS um, and, and Payroll. Um, I came out of that and spent a bit of time in data tech, which was actually looking at retail and the pricing of fuel and using AI to... Um, help retailers uh, um, maximize margin. <clears throat> and then I came to Orgview. And the reason I'm at Orgview is that it brings together some themes. When I was in financial services, I was dealing with the, the problem of how do you align um, strategy to people in real time with you know thousands of resources trying to, trying to work out how we get the best result. And then one of the issues that I identified whilst I was in um, HCM Tech was, you know, we have this huge digitization ro- rolling through. We have a huge issue with HR departments trying to find their strategic voice in organizations. And it all comes down to the all view question, which is where are the people and what are they doing and how do we organize them in the best way? That's great. And and you, I think you joined Orgview recently, didn't you? Uh, a few months ago, back in January. 
Um, and for, I think we, we've all of you have kindly sponsored um, the Digital HR Leaders podcast a few times. For, for those listeners that that, that aren't are unaware, can you just give an overview of what all view does and, and how it helps customers? I, I can. So um, Allview is a business that comes out of um, a consulting background around the organizational design and transformation problem. That led to the creation of um, some tools which help organizations really move from strategy through to people. And how do you understand what your organization looks like today, what you want to look, it to look like in the future, and how do you manage that, that transformation? And so you, you know, if you think about it, the OD is the way in which the CEO really should manifest their strategy. So the first thing that we do is we have a graph database, which is uh, which has no schemas. So that allows you to bring lots of the disparate data in HR into one place. We then have the ability to paint with data. So you can now see your organization. I, I like to say in 3D, it's not really in 3D, but you can, you're seeing it really as it is, and you're able to interact with it dynamically. That allows you to build your design based on where it really is. Then you can track your steps and see all the impacts of any changes that you're making. And then that gives you an ability to manage organizational effectiveness as well. So you can see your spans and layers. You can see where you've got spare resources, where you've got areas that are in the wrong place and so on. So you can really bring your strategy to life in the way in which your organization looks, execute that change and understand the impacts really quickly. Yeah, that's really, really helpful to understand. And obviously... As a relatively new, as the relatively new CEO, you know, what's your vision for the for the future of Allview over the sort of next few years? Yeah, so so we we have two things that we're bringing together. The first piece is that the Allview product, which comes out of the idea of managing projects, is becoming, um, you know, an area that's a centre of excellence in large organisations, particularly where they experience change. So the product is changing from being about how do I do the transformation. So how do I make this a continuous part of what I do? How do I make this a discipline? And so that's about evolving the product so that it supports a center of excellence in, in a business um, and, and becomes the way in which they manage the effectiveness of their organization all the time. The second piece that we think joins closely onto that is the evolution of the workforce plan. So this real view that you can go from strategy through to people, that you can understand how the skills, the activities the individuals that you have interact with your OD over time to create the right the right organization. I was with a, a client last week who were uh, engaged with, with us at the moment, have been for a while. And what they're doing is building their organization for 2035. So that's not about rapid transformation. That's about long-term architecture of their organization. Now, it's really interesting what you say, actually, because I mean, we used to talk about transformation as this that kind of, it was almost suggested it was like a one-time thing or something you did every few years. And I think, as you said, it's, it's continuous now, isn't it? The world we're living in is you continually look to be adjusting the design of your organization and making sure, as you said, you, you, you're you getting the right link between strategy and people. Well, even even if you ignore the black swan events, and I, I don't have these these stats, D- David, but if you just looked at the, the Fortune 500 or the FTSE 100, what's going to drive change? CEO change, well, that probably happens every three to five years. Strategy change, probably related to that, but three to five years some event that means that you're not performing as you said you were going to, and then some macro change. That probably means that you're going through significant change, at least in 70% of organizations, once a year. Like it, it, you know, And that, that just is the way we live today. Yeah, the world's become a much faster place, which we're going we're gonna to talk about a little bit as well. Um, you, know, we, you, you alluded to the fact that Black Swan events, and obviously we've seen a few of those um, in this decade, 
I think if anything um, can summarize this decade in one word, it would probably be uncertainty. We've we've had the pandemic, you know, biggest pandemic for a for a century. We've had the the most significant war in Europe for for seventy five years, and 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 G seven countries have have been experiencing double digit inflation for the first time this century. So there's a lot been happening, and that that's just three three sort of events that have been happening. You know, given the work that you're doing and the conversations you're having with, with customers, and and in this current context of the business landscape, um, you know, what are some of the specific challenges that that you're experiencing when you're talking to to, to clients today, and 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 how you know you've already alluded to it a little bit, but how can Orgview help organisations overcome those challenges? So the the the, the fundamental issue it, for most people is the fact that the data that they need in this space is fragmented. And so that might be that there's some finance information that's relevant. There's some payroll information that's relevant. There's some information in the HRIS, which is key. It might be that you want to bring in talent or skills information, competency pieces together. So so point one is, well, how do you bring that together and make sense of the layers of, of that data and how, how it interacts? It's incredibly complex. And, and that data environment is much wider than it was even five years ago. In 2015, I used to talk to people about the adoption in HRIS was meaning that we were moving to a digitalization of HR, which would end up looking a bit like the digitalization of marketing did between 2000 and 2010. Now, that hasn't actually matured quite yet. And I suspect the pandemic's an issue, right? It's, it's a big block of time in the middle where we've been running around like crazy people with their hair on fire. But uh, uh, the reality is that's really there. And that ability to bring that data together is the first piece that, that all of you allows you to do. The second thing is that if you're doing this stuff with a combination of spreadsheets or, you know, specific charting software or, you, you know, even Excel, it's really, really difficult for you to keep track of what's happening and to really understand what you're landing on. And you're continually having to rework the benefits, the impacts of what it is that you're doing. And all of you helps you directly there. The final piece is about activation, right? So what is it you're actually going to do and how are you going to take that into your core process systems, your HRIS, your applicant tracking your communication to make that happen so it is core set that's where that that's where all of you would would help you more broadly if you keep having to do this the ability to be able to quickly access that data in a system and understand what you might change or what that means or what what, what impacts or opportunities you have becomes much more important and so where we see clients moving towards a center of excellence that's exactly what they're seeing we have to do this well we have to do this a lot Let's make sure we're set up to be able to do it. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And, you know, and we're going to talk a little bit about some of the challenges that companies are facing at the moment and, and the link to a link to planning and, and, and OD. So obviously we've seen a number of companies, particularly in the tech sector, you know, announcing mass layoffs, you know, and some even doing multiple rounds in, in fairly quick succession. You know, many commentators have suggested that, that these are knee-jerk reactions to, to the economic downturn. You know, what are your thoughts? I know you've done some research recently at Orgview around making quick decisions when there's economic headwinds um, blowing blowing in your organisation. So, the, so the, fir- the first thing, I, I'm a bit of a contrarian, David. So, I so I'm going to start with a contrarian view, which is the businesses that you know Amazon are in the news, uh, um, Facebook have been in the news in the last two years. Amazon. Google, Facebook, and Microsoft have hired 700,000 people, right? And they've let 60,000 go. So what's the, what's the story, right? So so I'm not saying that 
they're not in a radically different place. And I'm not saying that that things haven't changed because they certainly have. And uh, in fact, I was wandering in today talking to my brother about the fact that, you know, in a sense, Facebook and Google are experiencing what TV channels used to experience in previous downturns, which is they are just an advertising medium in many cases. And so therefore, you know, the, the winds of economic change blow quite hard in that space. And I, I think there's undoubtedly real impacts on them. But we need to put this into the context of 10 years of incredible growth and indeed a very small marginal change in, in, in how things move forward. But moving to the research, what our research says, act in haste and you'll regret it, right? So, you, you know, uh, 90% plus of the business leaders we interviewed said they had made changes on a knee-jerk basis. And around a third of them said that they re- regretted the changes that they had made. made. And one of the interesting things, David, going right back to where, where we started, I wrote my degree dissertation on the impacts of, um, of redundancies on a business. And even back to the 1950s, the research says that without doing it really well, without doing it in a very managed and, commu- and, cl- and clear communication engaged way, you will end up having to do it again because you see productivity and business outcomes drop as a result of the changes that you made. So you'll have to come back around again. And so when you say some people have been ranked two, about two or three times, that's one of the reasons they're doing it, right? Because it's, it's either not been enough or the, there have been a bunch of negative impacts from what they've done. Let's pause for a short moment and give a big thank you to our sponsors of this series. At a time when economic uncertainty is ever present, business leaders need to make quick, data-driven decisions with confidence. As the leading organizational design and workforce planning software platform, OrgView captures the power of data visualization and modeling to give leaders the actionable insight and analysis they need. OrgView is used by the world's largest and best-known enterprises and management consulting firms to build more adaptable, better-performing organizations. See tomorrow's business today with OrgView. To find out more, visit orgview.com. That's O-R-G-V-U-E dot com. We, we talked a little bit about, you know, the Black Swan events. And if we, if we analyze those, it teaches us that even if we plan three to five years ahead, there are always going to be unforeseen circumstances that inevitably change our plan. So uh, this is a this is probably a tough question to answer. So, so my question is, how can you plan for the unplanned? Well, you you can't. But what you can do, I used to work for. He was a crazy guy, but I used to work for um, a, a, a CEO who raced motorbikes, Grand Prix, you know, two hundred mile an hour bikes. And what he said was, if you were spending ninety five percent of your time staying on the bike. If you hit an oil slick, you're dead. So what you have to do is you have to make what you do every day 5% of your mental capacity. And then what that does is leave you with 90% to think about all the stuff that you didn't anticipate or you didn't know was going to happen or where it's going to come through. If you think about how sportsmen work, or indeed, I, I ride horses in my spare time, it's a similar sort of thing. If, if you're just staying on, it's not going to work. If you're just hanging on to your business, if you're... All of your capacity of all of your teams is just spent running around getting the day-to-day work. Then actually, when something comes out of left field, you're going to have a real problem. If you have the capacity to say, right, we've got an operation, we know how it runs, we can see what's changing, what's working, what's not working, and we've got an activity plan, 
something comes out of left field and you go, right, we've got all the data. We can sit back now and think, you know, we had one here two weeks ago. You know, I get a phone call on Thursday night saying, where's your cash deposits? SVBs are in trouble. Crisis mode, right? But by Sunday night, we knew what we were going to do. We knew that we were okay. We we knew where the effect... We were actually at that point talking about how does this affect our mobilisation for next year's plan, right? If we've only got, you know, less cash than we thought because some of it's stuck in the US. That was because we had some of the data and we're not using all our capacity to think through the day-to-day. It's going to happen. You can't avoid it. And and I think what's been interesting with some of these events, I mean, that's a great example there, where having that flexibility, that muscle, that, that when you do need to plan quickly, because in, in a, a situation has happened, you know, as long as you pull the right people together and the right data, you can still make smart decisions. Well, I, I think also, David, one of the things you can do is you can do some scenario stuff, right? So you can do some things where you go, what would you do if, and what would you do if? You know, and we all have BCPs, right? But, you know, business continuity plans. And the whole point of doing that is so that people are not freelancing around the problem when something happens to your business, right? As soon as you start imagining how you might work around those issues, you're going to have problems. So actually, sometimes sitting there going, well, what risks have I got? And what would I do if that crystallized? And do I have a plan if that if that happens? Now, this doesn't need to be extreme, but that risk-based management approach is not a bad thing to have in your have in your toolbox. So, you know, in a growing number of companies, we're seeing that org- organizational design and workforce planning are coming together. Um, I know it's something we, we spoke about um, a couple of weeks ago. And actually, you know, some of the customers that we work with in Site 222, so it's predominantly the, the people analytics leader in big global companies, we're seeing that org design and workforce planning is actually coming under the umbrella of people analytics as well, actually, which is quite interesting. Makes sense, like, I guess, when you think about it. Uh, but I wonder at all of you, how are you seeing these functions coming together? Yeah, so we're, so we're, we're also seeing the other way, um, David, which is that, that OD and workforce planning to, are coming together under the OD competency sets, if you like. So, so one, of the, one of the things and themes here is that workforce planning is still quite undefined as a discipline. So is it simply about taking the budget and the financial plan and casting that into some sort of phased recruitment plan which allows you to fill it up or is it or is it more complex than that are we actually saying well i've got this organization shape and this is how i'm going to feed people into that organization shape and this is how i'm going to develop people into spaces over time you know we have one of the big us banks where all view is used to talent slates the ceo's preferred um you know if you like the future leaders program okay so that's you know we're not a succession planning tool that's not what we are but what you can do is you can see your organization you can see where your talent is you can move it around in that in that picture so the two things are quite intrinsically linked i mean think, i think we're intensely relaxed about the idea that people analytics can get value from all view or that indeed od people could get value from workforce planning what's important is to be engaged in the debate with clients about how they think um that you know that is being developed so you kind of have you know, I mean, using Anaplan as an example, you have like, you have functionality dropping out of Anaplan, which is talking about workforce planning off the back of a budget. You clearly have, you know, the adaptive route where you've got Workday pushing into the space and coming at it from the point of view of it's a, it's an HR analytics. And then we move into the planning and then you have our view, which is, do you know what? How do you take this OD and make that come to life in a plan? All those approaches are valid. Yeah, that's really helpful, actually, because 
yeah, it's, it's good to to hear that actually from a firm like yours. That all the all the approaches are valid. And I guess it depends on the organisation, doesn't it? It depends on the organisation and the problem they're trying to solve. Yeah, I don't, look, I think I saw I was having a conversation with with an OD leader in the US a couple of weeks ago. You know, for, uh, Fortune five hundred business, uh, um, and what they said to me was, "Look, I've been doing OD transformation for years." And they described it as being two uh, types of HR leader, a talent-focused leader and a systems-thinking leader. And so in her mind, the split between a systems-thinking leader who would go to OD first, I'm building a system, how do I get a workforce plan that delivers a system? Talent's going to say, it's not about the design, I have to get the people in, but it's about hiring the right people into my, into my organisation. But actually, if you think beyond that, David, it becomes more complicated because actually, probably... Half of the organizations don't have either of those things, right? So actually, they're still procedural-led or the HR maturity is not as high as that or, you know, they're, they're hamstrung by systems. So they might have chaotic structures. They might have, you know, traditional sort of, you know, very stiff kind of structures. At one stage, di- different job. But I was talking to some guys about, about scheduling and they were talking about British Steel or that which became British Steel. And they said that some of their work patterns in their scheduling hadn't changed since 1948 right it's, it's just, yeah they, they've 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 missed all the black swan events right we're still doing the same thing as we did 80 years ago so so you know th- there's a variety of approaches to this a variety of maturity um the thinking's developed right but what what my view is look od and particularly organizational effectiveness should be and will become a key ceo concern right how do I make sure that my strategy is manifested in my organization? 10% of organizations do it well. 90% of organizations don't achieve their strategic objectives. I'm not a believer in coincidental numbers. I think those two numbers are, are, are related. Okay. So when you drop down below that, any plan's better than no plan. A, a, a plan that's based on skills and activity and the talent and resources that you've got, brilliant. A plan that goes out over eight or 10 years, amazing, right? But any plan's better than no plan at all. And and why is it that those ten percent of organisations do it well? What is it that they do differently in your experience from from the the other ninety percent? Yeah, so so I think there's two there's two parts to the story. What one is a, a realization that the organisation is a system and it and it's there to deliver outcomes and the way it's shaped will deliver those outcomes. But then also you need to have an awareness that that you have a clear idea of how strategy turns into changing those outcomes in a way in which you're going to be organised. And, and you, you know, that's quite a rare combination of things. CEOs come at this from a different point of view. You know, a a visionary, you know, I, I, you know, I don't know how, I, I would want to sort of cast aspersions on Elon Musk, but he strikes you as a very visionary, you know, very intuitive sort of a leader, and I'm sure he's got people around him that are extremely organised to make these 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 uh, uh, make the organisations work. But is he going to be concerned with is the organisation following my strategy? No, he's going to say to somebody else, "Go do that for me." You know, the 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 CEO of the bank I was talking about, he really cares about this deeply personally. Um, we have a uh, we have a, um, a a spans and layers charts which he uses, and on a regular basis, he'll turn around to his extended leadership team and say, let's turn to page six, right? It really matters to him. So it depends a lot on where individuals' focuses are and, wh- and where they're going. My view, and I, you know, I, I have a passion for the question, you know, how do HR leaders become strategic? 
this is one of the routes to becoming strategic. Let me show you what this is. Let me show you what that means to you and your ability to hit your aims or get to the things that you want to you, you want to get to. We hope you're enjoying this episode of the Digital HR Leaders podcast. If you are looking to continue your learning journey, head over to myhrfuture.com and take a look at the My HR Future Academy. It is a learning experience platform supporting HR professionals to become more data-driven, more business-focused, and more experience-led. By taking our short assessment, you will see how you stack up against the HR skills of the future. Then, our recommended learning journeys guide you every step of the way, helping you to close your skills gap, deepen your knowledge, and press play on your career. What advice would you offer HR or business leaders listening? You know, should they build the skills for workforce planning and then use them for all design or, or, or vice versa? In most cases, people don't have a dynamic picture of their organization. I think that's really important. So that ability to visualize what you've actually got in a dynamic way and interact with it and then overlay dimensions, that's got to be a, a starting point. It's not the only starting point, but it's a starting point. I suspect if, if I was a talent-led CHRO, then I would say all that matters to me getting the right, right people in the right places and it will work. And I think it probably will work, but you're probably not in control of it, right? So I, th- I think the two, the two things that you, you can't really say one is better than the other or one comes first, but it feels to me like having a view of, of your, your organization in a way that you can interact with it and you can track it and you can understand what that really means and how you're allocating resources and how that fits with your strategic aims or the way in which you want your your resources to be distributed you know that key question of where is everybody today and what do they do that feel that feels like a real baseline to me yeah and it may be the question is more can you have one without the other you need both which i guess is why companies are more increasingly bringing these together yes i, I think that's right i think that's right and obviously why you mentioned earlier actually oliver that that obviously Orgview is known as a, as a tool that really supports good organizational design. You mentioned that you're building out a workforce planning tool as well. Is that partly related to, to that point? Exactly. What we talk about is strategy through to people. And so, you, you know, I, I mean, my view, when we think about the Black Swan events, there's some other things that are coming which are profoundly challenging um, and will affect the way in which we work for the rest of our careers, but how our, you know our sons and daughters will work in theirs, right? The demographic changes that are happening are fundamental, right? So, so this idea that you can, you know, you can cycle resources and move people out and then rehire them or hire them somewhere else, there isn't going to be lots of young people that uh, either want to be treated like that or are available with the right skills to run that through. And that demographic challenge is global, right? It isn't just restricted to to the developed the developed economies. Uh, on top of that, you have all the changes in the way in which people want to work. Um, which means that that we can't stand still and say that we will be able to allocate people to that place for that length of time every day to do these things. That's not necessarily the way in which people imagine that, that that they want to be. And then you have a third change, which is the impact of whether you call it particularly analytics or automation or AI on the way in which people are going to work going forwards. We we have a a, a case with a client that are using a, a few technologies 
to understand how some of their administration functions, where they have lots of people at the moment, will be changed by AI over time. And then, so rather than dealing with that at that point and say, well, we're just closing down that unit of 2,000 people, what they're trying to do is to use you know, learning and development to be able to get those people to a place where they have other skills that are relevant elsewhere in the organization when that time comes. That's incredible thinking. It'll be cheaper. It'll be more effective. It'll engage people. It'll res- restrict the need to, to affect uh, people's lives over time and put them out into the workforce to find something else to do. It's incredible, but it's obvious, isn't it? But we could never do it before because we didn't have the information. We didn't have it in a way we could consume it. And we didn't have systems that allowed it to, just to put it all together in one place. Yeah, and I guess that's one of the big challenges, isn't it? If we think about it moving forward, obviously we've, we've heard a lot about generative AI and, and, and stuff in the last few months. And, and clearly that's going to have a big impact on the future, of, the future of work. But, you know, we see certain tasks, certain tasks being automated potentially. Um, but we also see the potentially the creation of new roles because of the technology that's coming in. Because that's what, if we look back at history, that's what's always happened when we've gone through a big change of industrial revolution, for example, new jobs are created, which I guess makes, you know, that link between strategy and people and org design and workforce planning even more important than it than it's probably been in our lifetimes. That, that, that's precisely m- my point, David. Coupled with, you, you know, lack of resources, you know, lack of fresh people, right? So, you, you know, if you went back to 1970, well, there was lots of young people you could just hire hire more, right? You you won't be able to do that going forwards. Um, so you have less people coming into the workforce, very different working environment potentially, higher skill sets are likely, and we know that education is always providing us with the skills out of university or school that we need, right? So we we're going to have to take responsibility that for that for ourselves, which means. You know, lead times to get people in the right place becomes more like an apprenticeship than it becomes hire them and stick them into a, a fee earning role in four weeks. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be fascinating how it plays out. And as you said, you know, for our children, I think it's going to be very different world of work than it is for us today. Um, so yeah, it's going to be interesting how that plays out. So Oliver, as we come to the end of our discussion, you know, it, obviously you've talked a little bit about some of the big challenges or the the factors that are going to impact organizational design workforce planning what other developments do you see on the horizon uh, for organizational design and workforce planning and and what what should companies be doing to to stay ahead of the curve yeah so so i talked a little bit about um organizational effectiveness so now you've got a design how do you track and monitor that you know we we as as business leaders we all know that as soon as we put the plan to bed somebody's freelancing around that plan somewhere and not necessarily doing what do you know, following the guidelines or the rules right so that ability to say we designed it is it is it working are we doing it what changes are we seeing you know so so there's this piece that says well look tracking and monitoring becomes really quite important particularly alongside a workforce plan right this is the changes that are happening how does the plan need to change to be able to get us there it becomes really really quite key i think the overlay of um the ability to use predictive analytics and indeed in my last business you know some very clever modeling and ai to start saying what are the relationships in here that you haven't necessarily seen right you know how can you do things differently how can how can we suggest uh different ways for you to achieve your outcomes as opposed to you having to think about how you would do that so if I, you know, if if I were in the role of either business leader in one of these large organisations, or I, I was the CHRO or an OD um, leader, 
what I'd be doing is making sure that I had my baselines in place, that I had a discipline and, a, and was building my own center of excellence so that I could control the process myself rather than being at the behest of other people. Um, and so that I could start proactively asking questions about how we should do things and what uh, evolution we should have in our teams. And you know, a tool like AllView will continue to evolve alongside that journey. One of the beautiful things about data tech, which is where AllView sits, is that when we work with clients on a problem, we can then take that solution and build it into our software so that it becomes available to other people, right? So so, so that becomes a really good way of evolving the solution. So the more usage, the more projects we're on, the more we learn about what people are going through individually and how they're facing out to these challenges. No, no, fascinating stuff. Uh, I think it's definitely an exciting time so, as, as, as we move forward, I think. Uh, finally, this is a question we're asking everyone on this series, you know, and if you've given lots of guidance, I think, around around this already. But what do you think HR leaders need to be thinking about most in the next 12 to 24 months? And when, you, when you're thinking about that, what, what, would you, what do you see as your biggest concern and, and maybe the biggest opportunity for, for HR leaders? So, look, the pace of change that we've seen is the pace of change. Yeah. So, so, so... We're not going. We're probably not going back to a world where you know you could understand what was going to happen next year, let alone probably next week in some cases. So we need to equip ourselves with the ability to respond quickly to to those situations, whether they're driven through the macro changes that we talked about, specific business issues, or black swan events. It's that that's your reality. So you know, moving along the line where you have control of a plan, where you are able to suggest and proactively respond to those situations to your executive committee, your colleagues, your C CEO, for me, becomes critical. And fundamentally, I'd turn around and say, embrace the digitization of HR. That means you might need to think differently about the skills that you have in your team. You need more analytical resource. You need more systems thinking resource. You need more, if you like, traditional operations skills around process planning and so on. And that doesn't mean your traditional... HR business partner role ceases to exist. That becomes even more important. But you need some other people in the mix um, to, to 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 make that work. So I'd say embrace that change and make sure you've got the right team to to execute that. Yeah, be at the front of it rather than being asked to change. You know? That's right. Yeah. Thank you for being a guest on the Digital HR Leaders podcast. Can you let listeners know how they can stay in touch with you, follow you on social media, and find out more about AugView? Of course. So um, you'll find me on LinkedIn. That's the easiest way to keep track of what I'm doing. Um, all views on Twitter. Um, and clearly, um, you can find out more at our website, which is allview.com. Perfect. Well, thanks very much, Oliver. And hopefully, we'll, we'll see each other at a conference or an event in the, in the coming months as well. I'll, I'll look forward to it. It's been great being on. Thank you for having me. That's all for today's episode of the Digital HR Leaders Podcast. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Oliver Shaw. CEO at Orgview and gained valuable insights into planning for the future of your business. If you did like the episode, please don't forget to hit the subscribe button and leave us a five-star rating on your preferred podcast streaming channel so that we can keep producing the show. And if you want to stay up to date on the latest industry trends and best practices and learn more about us at Insight222, sign up for our weekly newsletter at myhrfuture.com. Bye for now. And we hope you join us next week when I'll be joined by Alexis Fink, Vice President, People Analytics and Workforce Strategy at Meta, and one of the leading people analytics leaders in our field. 
Until then, take care.